And here we are live. Hello, people, and welcome. Hey, Freedom Fighters, and welcome to our Thursday night session. And lovely to see you all here, and welcome, Freedom Fighters. Now, um, if you listen to the podcast, hello and welcome. And obviously, what we do is the group we hang out in, our tribe, is in the Australian property investors. Because that's what we are. Australian property investors, actually, some of us aren't Australian. Some of us are different all over the country. So today we're going to talk about, should I buy my backyard? And look, if you're listening to the live tonight, if you can just type in the chat, hashtag live. If you're watching the replay, hashtag replay. would love to know where you're coming from tonight. That's right. Exactly. That would be great. Love to know where you're coming from. So should I buy my backyard? That's a big question and we're going to talk about that and we're going to give you the answer tonight about that. But also, what I want to talk to you about tonight is also what's happening with the average investor and why the average investor is losing $12,000 a year. I'm going to talk about the stock market. And the stock market's been pretty crazy. And um, how is that going to affect the property market? And we've got Rakesh from Kenya. Hello. There you go. See? Worldwide, fantastic. And we're going to talk about the stock market crash and what that means for investors and why it happened. And Rakesh says it's a good show. I'm going to just post it up. Thank you, Rakesh. And um, what I want to do is I want to talk about that. But also, there's another thing I want to talk about. And this is about what's happening with builders at the moment. Because there's a lot of builders going broke. Yeah. That's the fact of it. We can't hide that fact. And what you need to do is um, you need to really know what's happening, and how is all these builders going broke and affect the market? Mm. And That's why? Important. Yeah, and the why. Yeah. Now, I've got three out of three so far. The last three booms I called and predicted 100%, right? You did, George. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you and predict when the next boom is going to happen, right? Because, you know, if you think the last boom was big, hold on to your cotton socks. Because right, so... So grab a notepad and a pen so we can write this down. Absolutely, definitely. So the share market's in free fall, right? And there's always that big debate. There's a big debate about should I invest in shares or property, right? And what's happening is we've got massive inflation. When there's inflation, soft assets start falling. I've been talking this up for a while. And really, if you want safety, you've got to get into hard assets. Hard so, assets are the only way to go. Do you want to explain right? the difference between soft assets and hard assets for those that may yes. not? Yes, I'll explain the difference because really at the end of the day, we what do we want? We want hard assets. What don't we want? We don't want soft assets. And how? what's the difference? Well, a soft asset is something that you cannot really, um, it's not tangible. So let's say for a share, a share is not really tangible. It's sort of not there. Even money, money is on a piece of paper. It's not real. It's um, a token. Okay. I mean, if I give you $100, Charmaine, the only reason the $100 got any value is because the government have printed $100 on there and we've all decided it's worth $100 and we all um, it partake in this whole illusionary belief that it is worth 100. Correct. Now, if like in Zimbabwe, if suddenly the people didn't believe it was worth 100, what would happen? It wouldn't be worth 100 anymore. 
And that's why Zimbabwe ended up with a hundred billion, hundred trillion dollar notes. Right? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, during World War, after World War II, just before World War II, I think it was, um, when Germany had massive inflation, it was so bad that um, every couple of hours it cost more to buy something and people had to fill up a wheelbarrow full of money and take the wheelbarrow to go to the shops to buy a loaf of bread. Oh, wow. Right? And that's what happens with massive inflation. So what do you think is happening at the moment? Massive, massive inflation. inflation. Exactly, massive inflation. So what needs to happen is, one, if you've got any soft assets, get out now. Now's the time to get out because the soft assets is like the Titanic and there's a big ice cube, not ice cube. Berg. Iceberg. Big berg, big iceberg, right? And it's raising its head as inflation, but you know what? It's a much bigger, two-thirds of it's below the waterline. You can't even see it. And the soft assets are just slowly chugging along, thinking, hey, we're safe, and they're going to hit this iceberg. Now, this is the first step, what's happened with the stock market. So the Australian stock market lost $67 billion overnight. Oh, wow. Right? So and it was only recently it was booming, right? Investors are down 20, 30, some even 50% right now. And what's affecting that? Is it inflation that's affecting that? It's the interest rate rise and the inflation, yes. It's inflation, right? So, so basically, they've just destroyed. It's just um, destroyed the stock market. But that's nothing. It's going to get worse. That's the problem. So... Not only that, guess what else has crashed? What's that? Bitcoin. I was going to say cryptocurrency. Bitcoin. It's not hard. It's soft, right? Um, and Bitcoin's not recession-proof. Don't kid yourself. It's crashed. Why is it crashed? Because it's soft. And bonds and government bonds and all, and all those sort of stocks and bonds, all that sort of stuff's going to, going to crash as well. It's going to go down. So the fact that it is... Yep. Look, give us some examples of, um, you know, hard. Like we've I'll, give you one. I'll, give you, I'll give you a great example of a hard asset. That's property. Mm. The number one hard asset is property. I'll give you some more, though, which are interesting, but not as interesting and not as good as property. So, for example, a hard asset is a car. Because you can't put a car in your pocket or in your wallet. No. Right? And tonight I'm going to talk about crypto as well because – there's one of the biggest companies in crypto is about to go broke. So what's happened, there's a company called Coinbase, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to share my screen because this is important because Coinbase are huge. They own a lot of, they do a lot of Bitcoin, right? And they are in a lot of trouble, right? And now guess what they've said? They've said that if they go bankrupt, they may keep everyone's money that's actually in Coinbase. And they can do that. I guess they, they could because... They can do it. Well, this, 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 really, this is really sad. There's actually um, an acquaintance of mine who, um, um, his name's Mark. I'm not going to mention his surname in case, in case, because I haven't asked him for permission. But he had money, Bitcoin. Now, he had over 200 Bitcoin of an exchange and couldn't wow. get it back. And I think he's been fighting for it for years, and I think they're going to give him 0.8 Bitcoin back. 
So he's probably lost about eight to sixteen million dollars US. Does that mean he still pays tax on that? The, the amount that he does get back? Um, on the, I don't know that his tax situation because it depends what country you live in and oh, yeah, what, yeah. What things. But the important thing is he's probably lost about eight to sixteen million dollars worth of Bitcoin and can't get it back. Wow. So this is my advice to people out there. If you got Bitcoin, right? A strong bit of advice. One bit of advice is don't put more than 1% of your money into Bitcoin because it's speculative. Because Bitcoin's one of those things where Elon Musk could send a tweet. Actually, part of the reason Bitcoin went down is Elon Musk uh, sent out a tweet and destroyed Bitcoin a little bit. But he could send another tweet next week, especially now that he owns Twitter, that he's going to own Twitter, and bring Bitcoin back up. Mm. And it can drop again and go up again. It's all over the shop. Because it's a soft asset and there's a lot of speculation and you can move in and out of Bitcoin very quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. See, with soft assets, you can move in and out quick because it's not real. Mm-hmm. I've got a pile of dollars I can put in the bank, I can get rid of them. I've got shares, I can move them. But see, the hard asset, like a property or a house or a car or an antique, things like that, they're a bit harder to move. Mm-hmm. What about gold and silver? Because I know a lot of people are investing in gold and silver. Gold and silver are traditionally hard assets, yes. Yeah. Right? However, I I think that assets that aren't giving you an income, even though they go up in value, I consider them a different class, a second-class asset. Mm-hmm. Right? So I consider the high-class AAA asset is something that goes up in value and makes you money. Yeah, passively. Right. Yeah. So with with um like say example for for example with a property you get your weekly rent. You can also get your tax deductions, mm. and you also get capital gains. So you got three things working at the same time for you. The trifecta, George. <laughs> That's right. But not only that, on top of that, you can leverage. You can yeah. use the bank's money and leverage and get the bank working for you. So you got the quadruple factor. I don't know what that's called. The quad factor. <laughs> yes. Quad vector. Yes, that's right. So that's that's what happens. But with, um, for example, gold, right? You buy gold and it doesn't do anything. Mm. There's no rent. There's no tax deduction. There's no nothing. And you don't make the money until you sell it. So you're not making any rent. Mm. So it's so not anything passively. Not only that, but also it's harder to leverage. Because yeah. if you borrow money to get gold, you've got to pay for it yourself. You haven't got the tenant, the tax man, or the bank helping you. So when I buy a property, I've got the ATO, I've got the bank, I've got my tenant all working for me. Yeah, they're doing all the heavy lifting. Yes, but with gold, who does the heavy lifting? Me. The pocket. <laughs> that's right. No one else doing the work. So you do it on your own. So that's the, so buying silver and gold is the old school way where you do all the work, right? And look, if you love working, great. But if you want to invest to create passive income, well, that's stupid. It really is stupid and it's not smart. There's so many people that are like, oh, gold's amazing, it's going to be great. Well, no, it's not great. You can't eat it, you can't do anything. All you can do is hold it and sell it. There's nothing else you can do with it, all right? At least for the house, there's a lot more you can do with it, like get rent, get tax deductions, leverage, and everything else. There's so many more things you can do. The, the world is your oyster. And that's the fact of it. So... So the one thing I've got advice of people with crypto, if you put more than 1% in crypto, you're risking a lot of money. If you put 1%, it's speculative, it doesn't matter. I've been saying this for a while and a lot of people make good money out of it. And I put 
half a percent of my money in quite a few years back and I've made good money out of crypto. So I'm way ahead, even if it goes down. The other thing I'd say is do not keep your crypto on an exchange, especially in today's market. Mm -hmm. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be exchanges that may go bankrupt over the next few years because of inflation. Got it. And then what's going to happen is they may not return your money. Not only that, they can get hacked. If they get hacked, you'll lose your money. That happens all the time as well. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do with crypto, if you want to have crypto, is you need to have a hard wallet. Yes. We're going back to hard assets. So what you do is you can buy a thing called a ledger. There's other one, other ones, but ledger's the best. This is the one that I use. And you put it on a little USB stick. It's all called a ledger. And your, your crypto's on there. It's password protected. So if someone tries to break in after three wrong attempts, it wipes the whole thing. It's gone. Mm. However, you can have some backup phrases hidden in a special place. So you can recover that in another wallet if you want. And it's all offline, so people can't hack it. Impossible. So if people steal it, it's useless to them. And if they hack it, uh, they can't hack it because it's not online. And that's the safest way of doing it. Great. So that's what people should do because especially if you've got money in Coinbase, take it out now, I say, just in case because you may be losing all your crypto. You may not. It may not happen, but they actually said it themselves that they may take people's money. That's probably not a good thing, and they're very close to bankruptcy at the moment. Yeah. So just a bit of a word of advice because the number one rule of money is don't lose any money. That's the number one investment. Right, number one rule of investing is don't lose any money, and that's the rule you need to stick to. And people get caught up in all these, you know, amazing fantasies of making money, and they forget the number one rule: don't lose any money. And that's what you need to think about, really. I think a lot of people are caught up in trying to get, you know, rich quick, and I think that's the biggest obstacle most people have, and that's why they're taking such a big risk initially, um, and not realizing what the consequences can be. Because I think there's a saying: if it's too good to be true, it usually is. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, the one thing I always go back to in times like this, because there's these are very uncertain times. There's a lot going on, heaps going on. But what we can do is we can actually go back to basic principles, financial, fund, fundamental principles, and really go from there to make sure we do the right thing. And I always look at what do the really super successful people teach me? People like Warren Buffett. He's worth $160 billion, mm-hmm. right? And what does he say? He says, be greedy when people are fearful and be fearful when people are greedy. I like it. So what he's saying is do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. And I, when I first started investing in property back in the 90s, we had very high interest rates. And I jumped into the property market when everyone was fearful. But I went in anyway. Mm. And that's why I've got such a massive portfolio now. You know what I mean? And at the moment, people are fearful. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, they're very fearful. Yeah, and, the rates are rising. Right. And the fact of it is, if you know what you're doing, this is the best time to get involved. If you don't know what you're doing, it's the worst time. But you know what? If you don't know what you're doing, every time's the worst time to get involved. You should not get involved. <laughs> that's the fact of it, right? So that's just the simple advice I've got. If you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. But if you know what you're doing now is such an amazing time to invest in property and really jump onto the next boom because it's going to be massive. Because this is exactly what I did back in the 90s. I jumped in 
when everyone else was fearful because I knew there wasn't any other way. I wasn't going to sit up. You know, so many people sit on the sidelines and wait, and wait for property and wait for it, wait for it, and they end up with no property. They end up being old people. Mm. They end up being in the 70s and 80s wishing they invested, but they never invested. Yeah. And I meet so many people that, you know, come and see us and want to join the program and from different ages, and they go, I wish I started 10 years ago. I wish I started 20 years ago. I wish I started 30 years ago. They all say that, you know. Yeah, and yeah. you know you don't you don't wait to invest in real estate. You invest in real estate and wait. I like it. And look, there's always going to be a reason why not to invest in property. Now it's the interest rates. The year before it was COVID. The year before, there's always going to be something. So um, it's really important, not like you said, not to be fearful and to get educated so you know exactly how to invest in a market like this and to get the most benefits in a market like this. Because exactly. still opportunities, like you were saying. That's right. And um, so then we're, I guess we're going to get onto our next topic and talk about builders going broke and what yeah, that means. Yeah. So, okay, what's happening is the building costs have gone up way past inflation. Mm -hmm. And because of that, builders that have fixed price contracts can't fulfill their contracts and they're going broke because they just can't afford to build what they're building. Right? Things have just gone out of, the, out of control. And it's, un, it's out of everyone's control. No one expecting this. It's like a black swan. So, unfortunately, there's massive builders around Australia going broke and a lot of small ones as well. And it's it's been happening for the last six months, but it keeps happening. It's still happening at the moment, right? So what do you think is going to happen with all this happening? Uh, shortage. That's right. It's going to cause a massive shortage of property. As if we didn't have enough shortage as it is, all these builders going broke. Now no one's, no one's building. It's going to create a massive shortage and therefore more pressure in the property market and push it even higher. Yeah, because we've got the borders open now too. So you've got more people coming into the country that are going to need properties. That's right. So that's right. going to create even more of a shortage. Would you agree? Yes. Well, look, at the end of the day, yes, totally. The fact of it is, um, you know, we uh, have got now one of the perfect storms for the biggest boom in history. Mm -hmm. What we saw in COVID was nothing. That was just a little little sort of warm-up act from the property market showing us what it can do. It was flexing mm -hmm. its muscles a little bit. But now we're going to see the real story. Mm. Well, it's interesting because during COVID, I mean, everyone was saying on the news the property market was going to crash and you were the only one yes. saying, no, no, it's not. It's going to, it's going to boom. Yeah. This exactly, exactly. Well, and, and I've been doing this, you know, I, I've done this many times before. And got it right. Yeah, and I listened to you and I got a property and it's, it's uh, grown in capital growth, positive cash flow. And at the time during COVID, everyone was saying it was going to crash. And I kept saying, no, my George mentor and teacher says it's going to boom. And it did. I'm so grateful that I listened to you. <laughs> yes, thank you. And thank you for, for um, trusting me. And the thing is, when I started investing back in the 90s, the newspaper was saying that price will never be as high ever, that it's the worst it's been in history, and we're in for a massive drop. Yeah. And what happened? I made millions of dollars out of property, <laughs> right? Seriously, did really well. And because I ignored what they were talking about. And that's <laughs> what we're doing. That, and that's the key. I mean, the key is listen to experts because the media, they make their money by making you scared because that's what sells. And the algorithms are getting worse now. Yeah. And there's so many people out there. Um, you, know what, you know what frustrates me? And this is the annoying thing, that... People that have got no idea, they've never invested in property, 
are out there giving people advice, saying, oh, it's going to crash, blah, 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 and all that. And they just make up their own stuff. And they've got all these, um, they've done all this mental arithmetic and reasons why things are going to happen with no experience. And it's just a load of BS. They don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Right? You know, because at the end of the day, what it takes to know something is, is a thing called experience. Yeah, walking the I talk. Care, I don't care how many books you've read about riding a bike. Until you get on that bike, you don't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> it's true, absolutely. Yeah. Your body true. needs that, that, that muscle memory to That's really right. do. And you can read about property investing, but until you've done it and succeeded at it, you don't really, you've had an experience, you don't know what you're doing. And that's the fact of it, you know. So, you know, people that don't know what they're talking about, a bit of word of advice, keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear your opinions, thank you. And people that are better than me at something, oh, that's for the people I want to learn from, which is great. Yeah. Experts yeah. who walk the talk. Exactly. And, I, you know, I think that's the key, walking the talk. That's the important thing. Mm. You know, I think people that walk their talk, they're the people I respect. They're the people I listen to. Yeah. You know, someone... You know, the armchair economist or the armchair sort of um, property investor is not for me. I want a guy that's been out in the street and actually done it and lived it. He's got the scars to prove it, and that's what I mean. Well, the arrows in the back in your case, George, because you've definitely that's been right. the pioneer for us. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And, look, fortunately, there weren't really many arrows, and it was a lot of good stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. So, um, yeah, so that's the exciting stuff. So I'm going to do open the floor and anyone watching, if you want to make a few comments, that's great. We'll ask any questions. We're here to answer questions. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the average investor in Australia. Mm. Now, the average investor in Australia, I'm going to share my screen because this is just fascinating, right? I just recently read this article. So you look at this, landlords new losing 12000 a year on rentals despite soaring, soaring demand. So average rental properties in Australia losing their owners more than 1000 a month. Wow. That's the average person. And why do you think that is? Like why do you think people are losing that much money? Yes, yes, exactly. Why are people losing that much money? I'll tell you why. There's, there's um, one main reason. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, because, look, there's a lot of investors out there lose. Actually, the average investor loses $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Now, our investors usually make $50 to $200 a week, correct? Correct, yeah. So let's say it's 100 so 100 times 4.2, they're making 420 instead of losing a thousand. Massive difference, cash flow. Yeah. So, so when you look at this, there's one, there's big hope if you know what you're doing. Because if the average investor can can afford to lose a thousand dollars a month, imagine what imagine what you could create as a sophisticated investor, right? Like that. Yeah. So. so what? Well, the reason they're an average investor is because they're average. And two, they don't know what the wealthy people do. They're poor investors. They haven't got the right, um, what do you call it, strategies. Strategy. Strategy. They haven't got the right strategies to really leverage their money, their tax, and their time. And just explain to our listeners, what's the difference between an investor and a sophisticated investor? 
Yep. Okay, great. And this is all about buying your backyard. We're tying it back. Mm-hmm. So, so the average investor, they buy in their backyard, right? So out of all of Australia, there's 16,000 suburbs. And in your backyard, there's probably 10 or 20 suburbs. What's the chance of those 10 or 20 suburbs being in the top 100 out of those 16,000? Very small. Oh. That's right. For one, they're not trying to get the best. Mm-hmm. A bit like if you want to get married and you only look in the street you live in and nowhere yeah. else. I mean, would you find your perfect partner if you only looked in the street you live in, nowhere else, or the block you live on? No. You might get lucky, but more than likely you probably don't have the perfect match living there, correct? Correct. And look, most people feel comfortable because they know their backyard. And yes, so that's what's comfortable rather than moving beyond our comfort zone. Yes, but if you were going to get married, you wouldn't say, I only want to marry someone on the block that I live in. I was forget it, would you? No. But no one would no one would do that, would they? No. You know why? Because we know what we like. Yeah. But when it comes to property, people don't understand what they need in the property. And because of that, they're happy to buy in their backyard. One. Two. Um, unsophisticated investor, um, investors, what they do is they buy a property in the wrong structure the wrong type of property in the wrong area. <laughs> wow, that's so many wrongs. But men and men, because they don't structure it right, what they do is they lose money in real life to get a tax deduction. Correct, yeah. Right? So the real main distinction between the wealthy investors and the struggling investors is this, right? The number one distinction is wealthy investors don't lose money on purpose. They don't lose money for tax deductions. They're not stupid. And unfortunately, the struggling investors, they're not, sorry, I shouldn't call them stupid. The struggling no, investors, the struggling investors, they don't understand because we get sold on this because the government, the banks, and your school don't teach you this. That's the problem. No. Right? And stupid is such a bad word. I apologize. I'm really sorry. But what I'm saying is I get frustrated because we get caught in this lie that we learn at school that we learn from the banks, that we learn from the government, and we think that we need to lose money in real life to get a tax deduction, right, to try to get ahead. But all you're doing is digging your own grave. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, right, bit by bit. Now, the wealthy investors, including myself, what we do is we use the government, the ATO, and we use the right um, strategy, strategy to make sure we've got the right cash flow but make sure that we lose money on paper, but not in real life. So yeah. then we get the best of both worlds. So what I do when I get a property, I'm making money every week, putting it in my pocket, but I'm also losing money a week, every money every week compared to the ATO. And this is fully legal, right? Okay. right? It's totally legal. And it's there for a reason. The government wants us to buy properties and supply um, people, housing for people to live in. And what we're doing is we're doing the government's bidding. So what happened to the government? The government used tax incentives to encourage certain behaviours. And if you follow those incentives and do it right, you can really make good money by following the the government's tax incentives. But if you do it the wrong way, you can just lose a lot of money trying to get there. Yeah, of course. And that $1,000 a month just shows. This is the problem. These people losing $1,000 a month, what do you think is going to happen when interest rates go up even more? It's going to be hard in the cash with all the inflation of you know groceries, petrol prices going up, it's going to be difficult. That's right. Now, the reason they can get away with it, there's only one reason they're getting away with it, because times are so good in Australia. So the average Australian at the moment, 
is using less than 5% of their disposable income for their mortgage. Mm, Right? And once that goes up to a higher level, then it will be different. But we... Um, this is the cheapest it's been since two, year 2000, right? What? And we've got plenty of room to move. And what happened in 2000? We had a massive boom. Yeah. And that's going to happen again. So there's lots of reasons. So um, what's the key ingredient for success in property investments? How do we get the right ingredients? Good question. You need to come along to our weekly lives and learn and ask the questions, but more specific so we can tell you. I think we've told you a lot tonight anyway already, as it is, right? And so the one bit of advice I've got for these investors, because we're going to finish soon. We've got five, four minutes to go. Um, The one thing I want to say about these investors is the people losing $1,000 a month, what they need to do is they need to get the cash flow calculator. And if you get the cash flow calculator, you put that in before you buy the property so then you know how much it's going to cost you. So that's the key ingredient, get your cash flow calculator. Now, guys, normally the cash flow calculator retails for $695. But also, with all the training as a bundle, is $1,200. So $1,200. Mm. Roughly what the average investor is losing per month. But what I'm going to do tonight, and I'm going to be giving this cash flow calculator away for free, what we're going to do is put it, type in hashtag cash flow, and I'm going to, one of our team will send you a cash flow calculator. Amazing. I would have given that away as a gift so so people can actually learn and see where they're at. You know, get the cash flow calculator, put it in. And what what the beautiful part about the cash flow calculator is you can model different scenarios. Mm. So what you can do is you can model if you're going to put more money in, more bigger deposit. You can model interest rates going up or down. You can model principal and interest, interest only. There's a thought you can model if you put the rent up. A lot of things that you can do. And when you model things, you can actually look at the future and find out what's going to happen and do it that way. So make sure you type in cash flow, um, hashtag cash flow. Someone's already put it up. Well done. And what we're going to do is we're going to send you a copy of our cash flow, but also we're going to send you the, the training as well so you can actually learn how to use it. Because, you know, giving you a tool and not knowing how to use it is pretty crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's not going to work. So that's it. And someone just... um. Oh, listen, this is lovely. Oh, this is great. Look at this. One of our members. Yep. Can you read it out, please? Oh, hi, George. Settled today on Collingwood Park and looking forward to the next one at the end of the year. Thanks for your help, Kane and Denise. Thank you so much, Kane and Denise, for sharing. Kane and Denise, well done and congratulations. Great to want to hear from you. Also, um, we're having a catch-up next Sunday for all our members. If you're a member, reach out to your coach. If you're a part of the public, sorry, it's a secret place. I can't tell you where it is. That's right. So that's it for our show tonight. Um, Charmaine, I want to just say thank you so much for joining us. Now, let's do a bit of a summary. We talked about the stock market crash. We talked about do you buy in your bone backyard? We answered that question. No. Um, What you do is you look at the 16,000 suburbs, choose a top 100, and if your backyard is in the top 100, yes, you do. And if it's not, no, you don't. So it's not a yes or a no. It's only if the right suburb the right area is in your backyard. Because sometimes it's like that. Due diligence. Um, we talk about soft assets and hard assets. And Charmaine and I agree, we prefer hard assets to a soft one, don't we? we? certainly do. Property is the way to go. <laughs> exactly. And we talked about, you know, AAA assets that return you an income and go up and then the hard assets that just sit there and do nothing. 
right? Because, I mean, a lot of people say cash is king. You hear this all the time. Yeah, I used to say it until you taught me something different and I had a That's mindset right. shift. Yes, because, see, if you think about cash is king, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go, okay, let's get a hard asset because a hard asset is cash. Correct. Because if you buy gold and it goes up in value, what are you going to get? Cash. But see, cash is not good enough. It is not good enough, guys. You're not thinking high enough. You're not thinking high level enough because cash is not going to help you as much as cash flow. Yes. Cash flow is king because cash flow is the golden goose and cash is the golden egg. Now, if I gave you a choice between a golden egg or an actual goose that lays golden eggs, what would you choose? The goose. <laughs> it's the continuum. Yes, that's right, guys, and that's what I want to give you. Property is the golden goose yeah. where gold, silver, all that sort of stuff is just the egg. And the egg, you might end up eating the egg or whatever you do with the egg, but it's not good enough. Cash flow is king, guys, yeah. and that's the way it is. So we'll leave with that. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, cash flow is king. Freedom Fighters, thank you for joining us. We're here every Thursday night, and um, we're going to see you next week. Charmaine, I'll see you at the trip. Thank you very much. Bye, -bye. Bye everyone. Bye.